Ketubot Taf Peheh, the last thing we're discussing was different cases and different stories that the Gemara brought up where creditors grabbed something that the debtor owed to them. And if and we ended up saying that if they grabbed it after the debtor passed away, then the halakhaz like Rabbi Akiva doesn't count. And they would have to give it back. And it went as far as Rish Lakish even overturning the entire ruling and making them give it back. And with that, we're going to start with another story. This time we're on Pehe Amud Aleph, 10 lines in, where it says, the line starts towards Shetef Asam Haim. The middle of the word says, Abimi Bere de Rabbi Abhu. Abimi, the son of Rabbi Abhu, Avu Maske Bezuze. He owed people money. Behozai. People of Behozai. Shadrinu Beyad Hama Bere de Rabbar Abahu. So he sent the money in the hands of Hama, the son of Rabbar Abahu. And Azal and Hama went to Hozai. Parainu, and he gave back the money to people. Amar Lehu. And Hama told the people he gave the money to Habu Lishitra. I'd like a receipt. Amru Leh, they told him. Sitraeninu. We're grabbing this money over a different loan that he had on us. Sitra means like something on the side. There was a different loan. It was Baal That's why we're not giving you a receipt. Atala kamid Rabbi Abu. He came in front of Rabbi Abu. He wanted to sue them. Amar le and Rabbi Abu told him, "Itach sadet paratinu." Do you have uh, witnesses that you gave back the money? Amar le lo. So Hamas said, "No, I don't have witnesses." Amar le because they could say it never happened. You never gave us the money. They could also say, "No, this money was for a side deal. He didn't pay us back for the the, the contract deal." And there's a fascinating Tosa photo here explains that Hamam himself is not considered an Aidehad. Usually an Aidehad is at least Mehayav Shavua. So those who get, took the money from him would have to swear. Here, they're not even considered Aidehad to testify that they paid it back. Why? We're talking about a situation where he, the, what, what's going to happen? That Hamas going to have to go back and he's going to have to swear. Whenever the, the, the person who paid back the Shaliyah would have to swear, then he cannot cause a swear to the person who he gave the money to. So now the question is, Do we make the, this messenger pay? Meaning, the guy gave you money to go take care of something. You, you messed up on it. The question is, does he have to pay for such a thing? Meaning, you have to punish the shaliyah for messing it up. So, Depends. What did the, the, the person who's sending him, what did he say to him? Did he say, take the contract first and then give the money? Then you'd have to be mishalim. and he has to pay. But if you pay them, take the, and take a receipt, then lo mishalim because he did exactly what he was supposed to. It's not his fault that the guy doesn't want to pay. And the grandmaster says, it's not true. You always have to pay. Why? The Amr there, because the person who's sending him says to the messenger, I sent you to fix the situation, not to mess me up. And again, Tosfot clarifies, this is only if he told him to take the receipt. If he never mentioned anything about the receipt, he doesn't have to pay. And the grandmaster says a story, there was this woman that everyone would uh, keep uh, by her uh, a bag full of contracts. And the person who gave her the contract passed away. Atu Yoshim, the Yoshim came, they want those contracts from her. She said, I grabbed these while your father was still alive. Meaning to say that he owed me money, he didn't pay me back, and I took these contracts, these IOUs, as a, as a form to, to where I'm going to go get payment for what is owed to me. 
So Tyler came to Rav Nachman. They came in front of Rav Nachman. Amalan, he told her, "Itlach sadeh tavo'u aminayich mechayim." Do you have witnesses that uh, that their father asked uh, asked for his contracts while you're still alive and you didn't give it back to him? And v'lo yavitni alen, you didn't give it back to him, and that's the proof that you grabbed it for your whatever the debt that's owed to you. Amaladelo, she said no. Imken hevet fisad lachamitam. Then he's saying no. That that's considered grabbing after death. And any grabbing after death doesn't count. And the Gemara says another story. There was this woman who was Hayava Shavua. I guess uh, someone claimed she owed money. She said, No, I only owe uh, half, whatever it is. And, and it was in the Betin of Rava. And Amra Le Batrav Hasda's daughter, which is Rava's wife. I know this woman. She's suspected of lying under oath. So what happened? Rabbah believed his wife. So Rabbah flipped the swear to the person making the claim. Now, this is the way that she explains this. Yeah, Ritba doesn't like it because how can you flip the swear and pull out money when the oraita, the swear, is to this woman? So he explains the case is that the woman was trying to pull out money and he flipped the, he flipped the swear where the person is keeping his money. Either way, Zimni in a different time. Havu yadve kamei Rav Papa v'Ravada bar Matna. Rav Papa v'Ravada bar Matna was sitting with him, and I too ahush tara gaben. They brought a contract in front of him, and Amar de Rav Papa. Rav Papa told Rabba, Yadana be deshtara priyau. I know that this uh, this uh, contract has already been paid back. You can't use it, or like Tosfor explains, you have to swear before uh, uh, extracting payment. And Amalin Rabbah told him, "Ika inish demor." Is there anyone else except for you who knows this, so you can make a real testimony? Amalin Rabbah told him, "No." Amalin Rabbah told him, "Afagav the ika more aedehad lav klumhu." Even though you're at least, you're at least one aed, which usually causes a shavua, it's nothing. Amalin Rabbah Matna. So now Ravada Bar Matna walks and says, Why can't we believe Rav Papa? Let him be like your wife. So Rav explained, I know my wife and I know that she doesn't lie. More, I don't know Rav Papa. You're right, he's an Adam Gadol, but I don't know 100% that he's not lying. Meaning, there's a halachic point over here is I have to know beyond reasonable doubt that this person doesn't lie. I don't have that information, Rav Papa. I know my wife. I don't know Rav Papa that well. So, Amar Rav Papa, Ashtad Amar Mor Kimli Begavim Iltai. Oh, so now Rav Papa says, okay, and now that the rabbi is saying, that rabbi is saying that if I know the person or not uh, know the person, that's a real halachic, pers- uh, that's a real halachic uh, principle. What about Kegon Abba Mor Beri? What about Abba Mor, my son? De Kimli Begavim. I know for a fact that this guy doesn't lie. Should I rip up a star based on his testimony? What do you mean? You can rip a star? At least use it as testimony. What do you mean rip it up? I would ruin a star. I would claim that this star is no good and you would need to bring proof of that to be swearing in order for uh, for any payment that to be extracted based on this one person's testimony because I know him for a fact. Meaning, the point is that if it all depends on who you know for sure, would we'll never lie, 
then I trust this Abba Morberi also, because I know for a fact he doesn't lie, and I would ruin the shtar based on his word, or at least uh, lessen its power based on his testimony. Next, the Gemara brings a story. There was this woman, she had to swear. People said she owed money. She only claimed that she owes half. Okay, they made her swear in the yeshiva of Rabbi Barabaye. So the claimant said, I want her to swear in the city where we originally started. Because because it could be she'll be embarrassed in front of the rabbis that we all grew up with. She'll be embarrassed of the rabbi of our town. And maybe she'll admit over there. That's the way that Rosh explains. So yeah, the Miri says that what that Rav Bebaiz Betina was in a small village. He wanted it to be in public so everyone could watch this. So if she lies, she'll be embarrassed. And here it's a fascinating machloket rishonim. If if the claimant can force the, the the person who he claims owes money to come and swear in the betting that he wants, the Meiri says you can't force. The Ritva says you could force. But that's only if they're on their way going there anyways. The Ran says you could force even if they're not on their way to going there. And it's a very interesting sugya if we could force, uh, if the claimant could force uh, the, the defendant to come with them to, uh, in, in what type of situation. Very kedad looking that sugya. Either way, the woman said, she told the Dayanim, I want you to write up a, a receipt that I came to Betin and I am patur. I paid back, I swore, I did everything. And give it a third party. And Tosfot explains that the point is that she wanted that uh, this person can't make her re-swear. He can't make her come back to Beitin. She wanted that the second she swears, she could get that piece of paper and never be bothered again. So now, He said, write it up for her. Write up this uh, receipt. Because you come from a place where people have wounds and have short lives, you also say words that are not 100%. They're also short and they're wrong. Meaning, already explained, if there is a verification document, it's a document by Beitin that this actually happened and the, the, the Dainim are signed on it. It has been written up before they accept the testimony from witnesses that this is their handwriting. Pesula, the whole document is Pesula. It's not a real verification. Alma, the reason, what, the, what do we understand? The reason is because looks like a lie that when it was written, it looks like the Dainim were lying because they, ne- because they never saw, it was never verified. Witnesses didn't come and say, yeah, this is my handwriting. So if that's the case, then Hachanami, then also in our case, the Dainim can't write a document that she paid back and then just give it later when she swears or whatever the case may be because Mahzik Shikra. And the truth is, Veleta, we don't have to worry about that Mahzik Shikra situation where it looks like a lie. Why am I the Nachman? Like Rav Nachman, the Amar of Nachman, Omer Ayara Bimir, Rabbi Meir used to say, "Afilu metzah or bashpa." Even if someone found the get in the garbage, vehatamon, he was said, "You know what? Hey, this is my uh, my name. This is my wife's name. I might as well use it for myself if I want to get a divorce." So he went and vehatamon means he brought people to sign it. He brought two witnesses to sign this uh, get. Untanola kasher. The get is kasher. Why? 
because he holds that the get only has to be signed for the sake of him, her, and the sake of uh, divorce. But uh, if if it was just written for someone else, then you could still use it. And even Rabbanan, they don't argue on Rabbi Meir. The Rabbanan argued, they said that you can't use a get from the garbage. That's That's what the get to get divorced. But when it comes to other documents, like let's say loans and, 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 and freeing slaves, Modu le their hachamim agreed to be meir that if he found it in the garbage and you brought two idim and they signed on it that it's kasher. Why the amar of say amar of Yohanan shetar shelavau bo frao? If there's a document that someone borrowed and he paid it back, now he wants to use it again. You cannot reuse it. Why? Because whatever is leaned, whatever is connected to this star has already been forgiven once it was paid back. So now this star is worthless. And you can't use it to get payment from anyone. And Tama, what's the reason you can't reuse it? Because the lien has been forgiven. But it looks like a lie. We're not worried about that. So you see the fact that Rav Nahman didn't worry about it looks like a lie, then we don't have to worry about it either. And in truth, you have to say that's the reason Rav Bebai told them to write her up that uh, shtar, that receipt, that when she goes and she swears somewhere else, that they'll just give, it'll be ready to be given to her. Now the Gmas has another story. There was a person, he took seven pearls, he put it in a bag, and he gave it He gave it to Rabbi Measha, the son of the grandson of Rabbi Yosha ben Levi, to watch for him. Rabbi Measha passed away, he didn't tell the people in his family that these pearls belonged to this person. So the Mafkid, the Roshim, everyone came to, to Rabbi Ami, and he says, there's, they say, hey, we don't know what's going on. And he gave Simanim, and they said, hey, maybe maybe their father bought from them. They don't know. Amal was Rabbi Ami said, look, you have to believe the guy, because Hada, number one, number one, I know this guy is not rich. He can't afford these pearls. Number two, you see this guy is giving a siman. And Tzmachok to be here if you need both reasons. Number one, he's not poor. Number two, yeah, he knows a siman. Or or is it all one big siman? Tzmachok between the Rishonim. Let's start with Tosfot and you can go from there. But still, Velo Amaran, all this is Ela Delora Gilda Ilvena It's a person who's not used to coming into the house. If it's a person that we see going in, out, Every, uh, all the time by the by Rabbi uh, Miyasha's house, then Emma Maybe someone else gave it to Rabbi Miyasha, and he was just there to see it, so he knew the siman. So it has to be a, a, a very believable, and it has to be a lot of reasons to believe that this person is the the rightful owner of these pearls. And same idea. There was this man who gave a silver cup to Hasa. That's the person's name, Hasa, to watch. So Hasa passed away suddenly, and he didn't tell his, uh, his family about the silver cup. They came in front of Rav Nachman, and Amar Leoni told me, Number one, I know this Hasa person. He's not rich. Number two, he's giving a siman. 
And again, all this is if he's not used to going in and out of there. But if he's used to going in and out, we can always say that someone else gave it and he's the one who saw it, and that's how he knows. And same idea, there was a person who gave silk clothing to Rav Dimi, the brother of Rav Safra, Shachiv Rav Dimi Velo Pakid. Rav Dimi passed away and he didn't tell them about the clothing. They, everyone came in front of Rabbi Abba, Amadehu, and he said, Had number one, I know Rav Dimi is not rich. Number two, look, he's given a siman. And again, we're talking about a person who's not used to going in and out over there. If he's used to going in and out, we, we could always say that it was someone else who gave it, and this person just happened to be there and saw it, and, and that, maybe it's really not his. And a person was passing away, and before he passed away, he said, All my money should go to Tuvia. And we know he's a Shechiv Merah, that means he's passing away, so whatever he says goes. And the problem is, he didn't explain which Tuvia. Shechiv, he passed away at Tuvia. So a guy by the name of Tuvia came, he said, Hey, um, I'm supposed to pick up money over here. So Amar Bihanan, Haraiba Tuvia, you see, Tuvia came. And Amar Tuvia, Ve'atarav Tuvia, if if the man said my money should go to Tuvia and the Rav Tuvia came, he's a rabbi, don't give him the money because why the Tuvia the Rav Tuvia Lomar? Because he said give the money to Tuvia, not Rabbi Tuvia. This person most people have respect towards rabbis and they would say give it to Rabbi Tuvia. Now let's say he's a very close friend of Rabbi Tuvia. And Hagis, but then okay, they're they're used to each other. He's close to him, and he, he would even call the rabbi by his first name. Then you give it to him. Atut shenetu, we have two tuvias come. Number one, one is a shachen neighbor, right? The other one is tamid hacham. Well, tamid hacham kodem it makes more sense that the person wanted to give the money to the tamid hacham before he passed away as an extra as a chut before he goes up to Gan Eden. Karov Tamid Hakam, if you have a relative and a Tamid Hakam, we all know Tamid Hakam Kodem still, people like Tamid Hakam better than relatives. Ibaya Lehu, here's the question. Shachen ve Karov, you have a neighbor and you have a relative. Mai, which Tuvia was he talking about? So Tashema, we have a Pasuk, says Tov Shachen Karov, Meahrachok, a close neighbor is better than a far brother. And therefore, the neighbor will get the money. Shenehem Kerovim, Shenehem Shechenim, Shenehem Hakamim. Let's say, Two uh, two relatives by the name of Tuvia, cousins Tuvia, or two neighbors by the name of Tuvia, or two Tamid Hachamim. Who do we give it to? Shudad Dayane. We let the Hachamim figure out who the right person is, and they'll give it. And there's a few different ways of understanding what Shudad Dayane means. It could either mean that they're going to figure out who this person really wanted to give the money to, or simply whoever the Dayanim themselves want to give the money to. If they feel like this person deserves the money or that deserves the money, whoever they feel like it, that will get the money. Very fascinating, Tosfot. We don't even really have to care about what the person really wanted or what he would have wanted. And Amal Rabbah the Bred, Rav Hiyah Baravin, Rabbah said to the son of Rabbi Hiyah Baravin, Ta'im alach miltam haliuta de'ava, Amal Abuch, come I'll tell you something nice that your father said. When Shmuel said, if someone sold a loan document to his friend, someone 
if person A owes person B money, person B sold that document, I owe you, to person C. Then person B was mohel, that, that document. It is considered mahol, it's considered forgiven. Person C can't now take out any payment from person A, because person A could say, listen, I borrowed money from B, B forgave me, that's it, that's the end of the story. And here is a famous uh, explanation of the Rishonim. You have the Rosh, the Ran. They all explain in the name of Rabbeinu Tam that every loan has two parts to it. Number one, the fact that person A has to pay back person B. And number two is that there's a lien. There's some sort of connection uh, uh, of person A's assets to person B. When person B sold that document to person C, it helps in, uh, with the second part that the person C now has some sort of connection to person A now. However, that part where person A has to pay back person B, that stays by person B. And therefore, when he forgives it, he ruined everything. Now, that's the more complicated but more accepted answer. There's a Rambam over here explains that when a person borrows money from someone, he has to pay it back, and that's a deoraita. Selling a document is a derabanan thing. You could be mohel the derabanan. You could sell it to him the derabanan part, but the deoraita part you can't sell that. That there's always some sort of connection. Therefore, when he's mohel and B is mohel A, then C loses out. And the Gemara goes one step further and says, "Rafilu yoresh mohel, even a an inheritor. So not only uh, not only person B, but person B's son could uh, could forgive that loan." And and here's the point. Modesh Shmuel and Shmuel agreed when a woman brings into a marriage a loan document, someone owes her money, and she forgave it, it's not forgiven. Why? Because his hand is like her hand. Meaning, when she brought in that loan document, her husband has a right to it just as much as she has. And for further explanation how that works, there's a famous Ritba over here, but uh, we're getting too much into the Rishonim. Very kedai to look into the sugya. And uh, the Gemara brings in a story about uh, the sugya. Krebate de Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman's relative, Zabintal She sold her Ktuba for a very small amount, which is just like a favor, nothing even serious. And the idea of the sale is that let's say she's supposed to get 50 grand for the ktuba, she sold the rights to that ktuba money for let's say something small like $100. Now what ends up happening? He could get that 50 grand in the, the ktuba if uh, if her husband died or he divorces her and then she gets that money. But if she dies first, he doesn't get anything. What ended up happening? Igal Shah. She got divorced and so now he owes her money. But then, then she passed away. And now that money officially goes to that person who bought the Ktuba. So now they came and they sued her daughter. The people who bought off the Ktuba are now suing the daughter. Now what exactly happened here? Um, the Rishonim, in short, explained that the, the daughter asked for her mother's Ktuba money. She was the only inheritor. And now uh, these people heard that, oh, you're coming to get the Ktuba money. Hey, we want it. And uh, they, they took it. So now Amar Lehu Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said about this case, is there no one over here who can give this girl advice? Meaning, this little girl should forgive the ktuba money that her father is supposed to give to her mother. Like we said before, that a yoresh could be mohel. And then after that, she could get that money from her father. Shama'a. 
So the girl heard this from Rav Nachman as Lachirta, so she forgave that that the Ketuba money from her father, and uh, the, the money would stay by her father. And there's a famous Rosh over here explains also that we're talking about a situation where the father died, so she's left with all the money, so she wants to forgive it so it could stay by her. And the question over there, there's another Machloket over here between the Rosh, the Baal Trumot, if Yoresh could, uh, could forgive a loan, and this way he could keep it himself. Either way, she first, so she forgave that loan. So Amar Nachman, Asim Nachman felt bad because now he made himself a lawyer trying to help her out. Rather than being a fair Dayan, he gave an idea to this girl to be Mohel and now she keeps all the money and these people, uh, they lost everything. So the Gemara asks, What was Rav Nachman originally thinking? And at the end, what was he thinking? So the Gemara explains as follows. Originally, he thought, you're not allowed to hide yourself from your flesh, meaning you have to help out family members. And here I am trying to help out uh, the family member. Just to make you understand, there's a Ritval who explains that Rav Dahman understood that this girl is a poor girl and her mother probably sold it for something really low, that $50,000 ketubah for $100. Uh, and therefore, he felt compelled to help out his relative. But after everything, he thought to himself, Adam Hashuv Shani. Even if the halakha is like that, I'm an Adam Hashuv and I'm different and I really shouldn't have give, given her that advice. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.